to, to hear me on something. I want you guys, ladies, to make sure you never lose your hunger for the word of God. Make sure you never lose your hunger for God, for his word, for the things of God. Hallelujah. Hunger and thirst of the righteousness, you shall be filled. The Bible says a, a man's hunger will drive him on. If you stay hungry, God will fill you. Stay thirsty, God will fill you. Hallelujah. The danger that happens in, in the body of Christ is that people get excited for a little while and then they get a little movement and then they, they lose their hunger for the things of God. Whereas when you first got saved, boy, you're excited. You're not going to miss a service. You're not going to miss anything. You just you wake up and spend time with God in the morning. You're just praying and thanking God all day long. And then as you start getting a little, you know, a little traction, a little movement, that hunger starts to wane. It starts to fade. That thirst. Don't, don't let that happen, ladies and gentlemen. Loss of hunger is one of the signs of death. It's, it's a sign that death is imminent. Because you're, you naturally need nourishment. So when you lose your appetite, you remember David? When David was on his deathbed, he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't eat. They knew, okay, this guy's done. Then they brought out a woman. Let's try him with that. He didn't, he didn't give that woman a second thought. They like, he is done. <laughs> that about, I would say they had like, like a little, they found a little pretty young thing, PYT. Brought a PYT in front of him and he didn't even move. He's done. He lost his appetite even that in that area. Just cover him on up, guys. He's done. Call a family in. He's done. So I'm just encouraging you, just don't lose your appetite. I've been saved now 30 years. This past February. Uh, this coming April will make 30 years I've been preaching the gospel. And I know there are times when I lost my appetite. I lost my hunger. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that has never happened to me. I'm going to tell you honest, there are times I just, you know, take it or leave it. But you have to pray yourself through those times. I can't afford it. Amen. Are you in Psalm 46? Let's read just verse 7, please. Take a time. Verse 7. Verse 7, hallelujah, glory to God. Ready, read. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Today we're talking on, uh, now we're going to talk today on the Lord of hosts is with us, part four, the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. Father, thank you today for the time we are about to uh, enter into where we can receive your word unhindered, unchecked by any outside force. And I thank you, Father, that God, your people will hear the word of God and receive it with gladness and with meekness, God. And that word, your, it says, is able to save our souls. So thank you, Father, that that word that we hear, we will receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, your word, which works effectively in those who believe. We declare today, God, we believe the word. And we'll put it into action. We pray in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. amen. And amen. Hallelujah. All right. Let's, let's try to expedite this here this morning. I gave you all another financial lesson, so it took some of our time. I may just have to do that from time to time. 
Like I said, I'm praying every day for it. Amen. Amen. This is uh, day 42 of 90 days of prosperity and manifestation. Remember that word that was released here uh, now uh, six weeks ago about uh, God doing unusual things in the midst of, of his people. So 48 days remaining. And so uh, it's interesting, I was thinking about this yesterday, that just as God is manifesting in an unusual way, uh, so is the devil. <laughs> the devil, because he knows where you're going. He knows what's coming to you. He knows where you're headed. He knows because he's, he's been there through all those Bible stories. We know he, we, we, we read it, we know he was there for all of them. And he knows what happens when God visits. He knows what happens when people stay in faith. And so he's trying to bring uh, his things against us to keep us from enduring this time and receiving what God has for us. Is that right? Yes, the Lord told us Wednesday night that he's uh, Satan is Beelzebub. Lord of the flies. You, you track that word down, it'll, it'll call him uh, Beelzebub, Lord of the house, but you keep tracking it down to its original meaning, it means Lord of the flies. And so... Uh, he's, he's bringing all kind of annoyances and disturbances in our lives, trying to get us off track, trying to discourage us, trying to distract us, and trying to disconnect us from what God is doing, but we're not going to let him do that. Amen? Amen? We talked about Wednesday night how God anoints our heads with oil. Our cups run over. So he anoints, a shepherd anoints the sheep on their heads to prevent the flies from being able to stick and bother them. And so God anoints our heads with oil to keep the flies away. To keep, to, to repel those, those things from the enemy that come against us. And then it says, it's over in Psalm 23, I believe it's verse 5, or verse 4, verse, verse, verse 5. He says, uh, he anoints my head with oil. Then it says, my cup runs over. Now, I'm not talking about your cup running over with oil. It's talking about your cup running over with the goodness and the blessings of God. Hallelujah. And here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody who's ever walked with God, anybody who's ever followed God closely, anybody who hearkens to God's voice all the time, their cup eventually runs over. That, that's why I'm, 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 I'm trying to push and pull you. I was talking to my spiritual dad the other day, uh, Monday, and I was just telling him, you know, he's asked me, hey, what's going on? I said, dad, I'm just, I'm just laboring uh, in prayer, trying to pull the people of God into where God wants them to be. Because some, some, some of us got to be uh, pulled, dragging and screaming and, you know, kicking and crying <laughs> to just do this thing, man. You can't follow God and not have your cup run over. Go back to verse 1 of Psalm 23, please. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. If he's your shepherd to lead God and feed you, then he, you're not going to lack anything. Then it says, watch this, verse 2. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Then watch, he leads me beside the still waters. So if he's leading us, we have to follow him closely. So you can't be following God closely and not arrive at still waters. 
You can't be following God closely and not be lying down in green pastures. You can't be following God closely and have lack prevailing in your life. I'm not talking about that you never have had lack. Everybody, everybody generally comes from lack. Unless you're born into royalty, born into money, you come from lack. Glory to God. But you can't stay in lack if the shepherd's leading you. Then verse 3 says this, verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his name's sake. He leads me for his name's sake. Child, you have his name on you. So he doesn't want anybody to see you and talk about I'm one of God's kids and you all broke, busted, and disgusted all the time. For his name's sake. Glory to God. My wife and I demand some things out of our children for our name's sake. You ain't, gonna, you ain't gonna go out looking like looking like some broke down, like we found you in the in the in the junkyard somewhere. That's just how I grew up. I don't know about y'all. Some people act like they don't care how their kids look. No, I care how my kids look. For my name's sake. Glory to God. So no one, listen to me very carefully, nobody who's ever followed God closely who didn't end up eventually in a cup running over. And if you and I will follow God closely, eventually, your cup is going to run over. It happened to Abraham. Happened to Isaac. Happened to Jacob. Happened to Job. It happened to Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom merely invited or allowed God to visit and dwell in his house for three months. And his cup ran over. That's why God spoke to us. It's 90 days of manifestation. It's 90 days of turnaround. It's 90 days of supernatural, unusual manifestation. That if we will invite God into our presence, invite God into our business, invite God into our households, invite God into this ministry, that everything will turn around and eventually your cup will run over. Glory to God. Now, are you still in Psalm? Give me verse. Can you give me verse four on that, please? Because here's what, what, what has to happen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, God's leading him, it said. Huh? He lead me beside still waters. He lead me, you know, make me lie down in green pastures. Lead me in the path of righteousness. Well, how am I going through the valley of the shadow of death? God lead me? No, he's not leading you through the valley of the shadow of death to make you die. In fact, in fact, the valleys are there. Because you're in the earth realm. So this whole earth realm is a valley of death. So, but he's leading us through it. We're, we're walking through it. And it says, so because he's leading us through it, then it says, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. So we don't have to fear anything. We have no reason to fear. They saw that this morning, didn't they? I think they did. We have no reason to fear. Glory to God. Because he's leading me. Everybody say he's leading me. So what you got to do is resist all the fear. He says, I will fear no evil. Which means fear then is a choice. Fear is a choice. I don't have to fear anything. And what the devil's doing, he's bringing all kind of things against us to try to get us in fear, but we don't have to walk in that fear. Amen? 
I told you that weariness and frustration are fierce symptoms. Weariness and frustration are fierce symptoms. Share that with you on Wednesday night, right? It's the fear that God can't do or that he won't do anything about my situation. But we showed you how God is able. In fact, I want to take you back to Isaiah 41, please. Go to Isaiah 41 in the easy to read version. They'll get on the screen for us. Isaiah 41 in the easy to read version. Glory to God. Everybody say God is able. And he will do it. Glory to God. Isaiah 41. Let's start at verse 10, please. Isaiah 41, verse 10 in the easy to read version. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do we have the easy to read? Okay. All right. Making sure. Hallelujah. Isaiah 41, 10. says, don't worry. I am with you. Don't be afraid. I am your God. I will make you strong and glory to God. I will support you. Y'all, somebody, thank you, you caught it. You caught it real quick. People worry about child's board and, and, you know, all kind of, all, you know, junk. He says, I will support you with my right hand. That brings victory. Verse 11, keep going, please. Look, some people are angry with you. But they will be ashamed and disgraced. They're angry because you prosper. They're angry because you ain't sick all the time like they are. They're angry because you're not worried and confused and frustrated like they are. But they'll be ashamed and disgraced. Your enemies will be lost and disappear. Verse 12. You will look for the people who are against you, but you will not be able to find them. Glory to God. One day you're going to look for them and they'll be gone. Not you. Them. Stop saying these crazy gospel songs. One day you're going to look for me and I'll be gone. Stop singing stuff like that. Stop predicting your untimely death. Stop prophesying your untimely death. You're going to look for me and I'll be gone. One of these old mornings. That sounds so good and stupid. Won't be very long. You look for me and I'll be gone. That's not how it worked in the Bible. In the Bible, when they left, they knew it. Call my family in. Hey, I'm, I'm, leaving. I'm getting ready to leave. Oh, shucks. Y'all ain't saying that. Call my family and everybody, everybody gather around. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. Now you're going to look for me and I'll be gone. Your enemies, you're going to look for them. And they'll be gone. <laughs> Those who fought against you will disappear completely. Verse 13. I am the Lord your God who holds your right hand. And I tell you, don't be afraid. I will help you. Everybody say it again. I will help you. So we have the assurance from God that he is with us and that he will help us. Alright, that's all the review time I got. Let's, let's get into this. Psalm 46 please. Because I really want to get into this issue of the God of Jacob today. Psalm 46. So we know that according to what we've read here in verse 7 and verse 11, we've read that in the last couple weeks here, that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So we know God is on our side. He's on our side. Verse 1 again says that he's our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Right? If you have a good Bible, 
Senator Column reference will tell you that he's an abundantly available help. And it says very present, he's a, your abundantly available help. Glory to God. He says here, therefore, verse 2, we will not fear. Got it? So I have to refuse to fear. Now, I got to pause here for a second. I, I want to make sure I, I share this with you. Is, is if you know he's your help, then why fear? Fear is an indication that you have no assurance that God is your helper. So he says, I won't fear even though the earth be removed. I mean, you can have all kinds of things happen around me. The mountains carried into the midst of the sea. He says, but I will not fear. Why? Because verse 1, verse 1 again said that God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in trouble. So I have to refuse fear by saying I must refuse fear. Now, I want, I want to show you something here. Go to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians 3, verse 15. Colossians 3, verse 15. Go right there. Because there's something that you got to, if you got to refuse fear, then that means you're in charge of your soul. If I'm going to refuse fear, I will not fear. Will, will is in the soul. Mind, will, and emotions in the soul. So if I will not fear, then I am in charge of fear. Now, since I'm in charge, he says this. And God's going to make his peace rule in your heart. What does it say? And let. Which means you're in charge of the peace of God in your heart. I have to let it rule in my heart. Rule in our heart. To which you also you were called in one body and be thankful. So peace ruling in my heart is up to me. It's my choice. I can let fear rule in my heart or I can let peace rule in my heart. I choose peace. Say it again. I choose peace. I refuse fear. Now I want you to please immediately uh, switch to the Amplified Bible please on this verse. Amplified. Glory to God. I want you to see something here. Because, because we need to get ourselves settled here. It says, and let the peace the soul harmony which comes. Now that word peace is a Greek word, irene. Remember we, when we looked at, um, those of you who've been here, Luke 19, verse 42, don't turn there. That word peace is the same word, irene, which we know it means security, safety, uh, prosperity, and happiness. Okay? So we could say here and let the security, safety, prosperity, and happiness rule, from Christ rule in your hearts. We got that, right? Here it says soul harmony. Soul harmony. Now, what's, what's harmony? When things work together. When our praise team stands up to minister, they're, they're supposed to sing in harmony. Some, sometimes, sometimes she'll, you know, Sister Latoya be doing this, which means sing in unison. Then she'll do this. Throw up three fingers. What does that mean? That means three-part harmony. Now, if one, by, one person's off their note, it sounds like a train. It's like, but if people, if they're doing it right, then that means, oh. So it's a harmonious sound here. So, and let the peace, the soul harmony. Soul harmony. So we need some soul harmony. We need our soul to be harmonized with our spirit, which is harmonized with the word of God. 
to make beautiful music. You ever hear uh, uh, music that's, you know, when they, when they do uh, horror movies, they use, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know as much as Luke probably knows and Olivia knows and other people, but they, they don't use these beautiful chords. They use these chords, they throw these, these other notes in there that, that incite a feeling on the inside of you of fear or worry or anxiety. They do it intentionally. They, it, it's, it's not harmony. It creates the fear. I mean, in other words, there's a, you can watch a scene in a movie, and, but without the music, it's not as scary as it is. But the music creates. So when you, when you have soul harmony, when there's beautiful music coming out of your soul, when your soul is in harmony, your mind, will, and emotions are in harmony with your spirit, which is in harmony with the word of God, which is in harmony with God himself. He says, I want you to let that, which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire. Calling the plays, calling the shots. Continually in your hearts. Now, why, this is the part I want you to get here. Let that peace, which is security, safety, prosperity, and happiness... Let that rule in your hearts. Let it decide and settle with, keep going, finality, all questions that arise in your minds. And what keeps people frustrated and gets them weary is all the, the unsettling questions. All the questions that are in their mind. Is God going to do it? Is God going to come through in time? I don't know. It's been a long time. When is it going to be my turn? I don't know. I'm not sure if God, you know what, so and so, this happened to them. And they, they walked in faith and this happened to them. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Faith always has a result. Faith always has a predictable consequence. Remember I taught on the law of faith? Reproducible. So somewhere they got out of faith. Somewhere they didn't settle with finality all the questions that arose in their minds. Those questions cause you to be a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, James chapter 1. Let not that man think, verse 8, he shall receive anything from the Lord. James 1, 7 and 8. So don't think you shall receive anything from the Lord because you're double-minded. You've not settled all the questions in your mind. In other words, some of you, the reason why you've not, you're not manifesting your healing or your financial prosperity or whatever, whatever it is you believe in God for is because you still have unsettled questions. And that peace is not ruling in your heart. What's ruling in your heart is how you feel or what you see. I'll preach to the lights if y'all want me to. I'll preach to the lights. What, what you see, how you feel, still rules in your heart. When my wife and I were, became determined and made up in our minds we'd come out of debt completely, never going back, that debt freedom ruled in our hearts, D. Not our debt. The debt stopped ruling. We were way deep, 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 deep in debt. But that debt didn't rule us anymore. When God would challenge us to give, our lack didn't rule in our hearts. 
His word ruled in our hearts. His peace, his prosperity, his happiness ruled in our hearts. If I can get two people who will hear me today, boy, I'm, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach something else. I'm just, I'm just telling you what has to happen. That, that what God says, his word, his, his peace has to now rule and umpire. Umpire means you judge fair, foul. So when a thought comes to you that doesn't line with the word of God, foul. They said, I'm going to die. Foul. Oh, oh, you shall live. Fair. Anytime the devil brings a, something, something stupid, one of his crazy thoughts, you say, no flag on the play. That's what an umpire does. Flag on the play. I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because now his peace is ruling in my heart. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Are you getting this here? Glory to God. Now, I want you, want you to see this. Go back to that verse. Or let, let's finish it here. Uh, uh, to which, as members of Christ's one body, you were also called, keep going, to live and, and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. So when peace rules in your heart, there will always be thanksgiving and praise. That's how you know when people don't have uh, peace ruling in their hearts. They're not thankful. They're not praising God. You got to force them to praise? Come on, y'all. Come on, let's praise God. Thanksgiving and praise are the outflow of a peace-ruled heart. Thanksgiving and praise are the outflow of a peace-ruled heart. If you have a fear-ruled heart, you'll, you'll express sorrow, Anger, frustration. But when you have a peace-ruled heart, no, prosperity. No, safety. No, security. No, happy. Then you always have thanksgiving and praise. <laughs> That's what he said. he said. He said, giving thanks to God. When peace rules in your heart, number two, all tormenting fear is displaced. When peace rules in your heart, all tormenting fear is displaced. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. Fear has torment. So you've got to get rid of the fear. First John 4 talks about that. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. Well, if fear has torment, then peace just gives you this harmony. It's just yeah. able to whistle and skip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. my God. And the Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. Oh, peace that passes all understanding. That means it even passes your understanding. <laughs> you just got a bad report. Why am I not worried about this? I what? Because peace is ruling your heart. Some, some ghost bill just showed up. I'm not even worried about that. I don't understand why I'm not worried about it. 
They just announced massive layoffs on the company. I'm just, I'm just not even worried about that. You're supposed to be, it's funny how people, people will treat you like something wrong with you if you don't worry. You ever seen it? They'll look at you like, like it's irresponsible for you to not worry. I mean, we know that's true because that's, that's exactly how the disciples treated Jesus. Master, you don't care that we're perishing? Remember that day on the boat and the boat's, sink, the boat's getting flooded in the storm? Lord, you don't care? What's wrong with you? How can you sleep through this? Peace, be still. That peace ruled in Jesus' heart. That same peace will rule in our hearts. That's, that's it's, it's Philippians 4, and I believe it's verse 6, which says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7 then goes on to say, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, other folks and yours, Will God garrison set up a block around your heart and mind? Which means your heart doesn't get stressed. Your blood pressure doesn't rise. Though war should rise against me. Even in this will I be confident. Hallelujah. That's Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. The war shall rise against me. Even in this. I will. Be confident. One thing have I desired. And that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. To behold the beauty. And to inquire in his holy temple. For in the time of trouble. Come on, I know this scripture. He shall hide me. He shall hide me. I ain't got to fear. I have no reason to fear. He shall hide me in his pavilion. All right. All right, sit down. Let's get into this here. <laughs> he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him, when you say refuge, that, that word refuge literally means a high place. 
Yeah, you got to say something. You got you to overrule whatever the devil is doing in your life. You got to overrule him. He's going to keep saying stuff, but you got to use your mouth. You, you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You got to fight thoughts with your words. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Tell them you got to say something. Matter of fact, tell them I dare you to say something right now. The devil trying to come against you. I dare you to say something right now. Say the opposite of what the devil doing. Say exactly the opposite of what the devil trying to do in your life. I dare you to say something right now. how it works. I know how it works. The devil's trying to talk to you right now. I know how it works. The devil's trying to convince you otherwise right now. You sitting right up here in church. He's trying to overreach you right now. And Matter of fact, matter of fact, I, I, I see, I see uh, TJ back there. I learned this from TJ. When I, when I first got really exposed to this whole thing, I remember when TJ first came home from, from uh, school in Kentucky because he'd been up there with, with, with mom and dad and all of them in that church. And I remember I used to be with TJ and we'll be, we'll be talking and I'll start hearing him say, shut up, I get, get that thought. I'm like, what? It's like, what is wrong with this dude right here? I was like, all right, we got a live one right here. Till I found out what he was doing was he was casting down. Oh. So when I got around my, my spiritual parents, I saw them doing the same thing. I got, oh, they're casting down with your mouth. You know what just came to me? I'm going to help all the guys out. When David was up on top of that roof and looked over there and saw that girl Bathsheba out there, he should have been casting down. He, 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 he should have been casting down. He was thinking, oh, she's pretty. He should have said, oh, I'm a married man. She's a married woman. I Get out of here, devil. You better do something. Remember one time I walked in, walked in our house, we had just moved into this house and everything, everything went up and Lord had, it, had me put the cable back on. And, and I'm walking, through the, walking right in front of my TV and the devil is screaming, I mean, I, I, he's screaming at me, oh, you going broke, you going, and I hollered out in my room, shut up devil, I'm not going broke, I'm rich. I had to because he was loud in my, you know, I could. I don't mean his audible voice, y'all understand, I'm not crazy. I'm not talking about his audible voice, I'm talking about in my soul. So I had to be louder than him. Why? I'm allowing the peace of God to rule in my heart. Go to Psalm 46, y'all there? Let's go right, right here to the, to, the, to, the, to the point here, verse 7. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to say something. You got to say something. Hallelujah. Thank you. Your whole life is voice activated. I was telling some people the other day, uh, I went, went to Georgia to uh, visit uh, our daughter, and, uh, and she gave me this, this Amazon Echo Dot. And y'all know what that is? And you, you know, I, I said it first, you know, we were reluctant because, you know, that thing, you know, like he's always listening all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but we, I plugged it up, man, and I, I said, Alexa, what time is it? She'll tell me what time it is and everything. I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Alexa, what's the weather? And I found out I can do everything. Now, I can go on my phone and look this stuff up, but I got to use my hands. And I said, no, I can, I can voice activate it. So I talked to Kirkland about it, and Kirkland said, yeah, you can also add light bulbs in your house and all kind of stuff in your house, and you can tell it, turn the light on, turn the light off. And you can, I'm like, I'm like whoa. <laughs> no, no, she don't run it. You got to run it. She won't do anything until you speak. She don't do anything until you speak. She won't do anything until you speak. She's always available. She's an ever-present help. But she won't do anything until you speak. I like this so much, I bought another one. Like, this is cool. That's what I did. I found out you can put a Culver's uh, thing on there. Y'all know Culver's restaurant? And you can ask her, what's the flavor of the day? Like, that's all right. All right, verse 7. Notice it says, if the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So I've taught you about the Lord of hosts being the Lord of angel armies, also the Lord of financial transactions, and it says he is with us. Everybody say he's with us. In your Bible, if you could, you underline the word us. Now us includes me. You understand that, right? When I say us, I'm included. So notice the Lord of angel armies is with us. This means he's on my side. That means when I'm facing an enemy, I have the Lord, the master of, of all of heaven's host on my side. So if an enemy comes against me and he's a, a or she or, or really demon spirits is behind it, behind the people. Uh, they're, they're not on God's side and God is not on their side. He's on my side. So the Lord of hosts is with us. He's not with the world. So when I say then, or when the Bible says here, that the Lord of hosts or the Lord of financial transactions is with us, that means the Lord of financial transactions is not with the world. So the God who's over all the finances is not with the world. Now what's happened is, and the Lord showed me this here last week or whatever it was, and I think I shared it with you, the world just, just knows more than we know. The world, the world realizes what we got to, what it takes us 10 years to get a revelation on. They realize you can't spend all your money. Right. 
Some folk in the church still haven't gotten that revelation yet. They, they, they realize you got to control your spending. We got to get a revelation on that stuff. We got to read scriptures like the fool spends it all up. Oh. Oh, okay. So Jesus Christ himself said that the, those, the children of the world are wiser in mammon or money than the children of the light. Now he doesn't want that. He said that's just the way it is. They realize things that we don't even have a revelation on yet. Nonetheless, the Lord of financial transactions is with us. So what would happen if we get a revelation? And he's with us. I'll show you this here if y'all have time, boy. If y'all if y'all have time, if y'all have time, I'll show you. Can y'all oxtails wait? So so we have then we have an advantage over the world, including finances. But in every area, we have an advantage over the world. Notice he ends this verse by saying, say law. Which means you got to pause and think of that, which means, which means you and I have to take time to contemplate our advantage. We've not contemplated our advantage. We've not, we've not even given much thought. We've just, just go to work, go to work and come home, go to work, come home, you know, put a little money in 401k. And we've, not, we've not contemplated the advantage that we have over the world because he says you got to, he says the God of Jacob, our ref, refuge, contemplate that. Think about it. Take some time and meditate on that. Begin to see, wait a minute. If you're on my side, how come they're doing better than me? Y'all ain't saying anything. If they're on my side, how come they look happier than I do? If you're on my side, how come they marriage look happy and mine struggling? How come their children succeeding and mine aren't succeeding? I got to find out why if he's on my side. I got to contemplate that. Now I want you to look at uh, same, this same verse, Psalm 46, verse 7, please. In the Passion Translation, please. The Passion Translation. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It says, here he comes. Oh, here he comes. The commander. The mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob, notice now it says here, fights for us. He fights for us. He's with us to fight for us to give us the victory. Paul's in his presence. Paul's in his presence. Probably a little bit more than that. Paul's in his presence. Verse, can you go to verse 8 or Everyone, look, okay, it keeps going on, on something else here. Hallelujah. So Paul's in his presence. So then he's coming, he's here. So now I got to look at, I got to contemplate, well, if he's on my side, why am I not winning? I mean, how, how is it that, I'm, that it looks like I'm losing and the Lord of all of heaven's armies is with me? Glory to God. I mean, that's like, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
we know this. Well, how come it looks like I'm struggling then? And the world, I go to work, and, and all my coworkers, they're telling about the great weekend and the great week they had and the great life they have, and now they, they ain't telling you about all, all the little struggle. They ain't telling you about all the little stuff. They, they give you all the little Instagram stories. They give you that, but they ain't really telling you all the hell they're really going through. They're not telling you that, but it, just still, it still looks like. Second Kings chapter 6. Second Kings 6. I want you to see this here, that the Lord of hosts is on our side. But we need a revelation. Second Kings 6. And let's start, please, then, at verse uh, 15. Second Kings 6. We're going to start at verse 15. Hallelujah. There's a story here of this man, Elisha. The prophet of God has a servant named Gehazi. And Elisha's been telling all the king of Syria's business. Telling all his business. King of Syria is planning on attacking Israel and, 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 and Elisha, God keeps revealing to him and he keeps running at the mouth telling all the man business he's thwarting all his plans. So now the king of Syria says, let's go find him. And they, they said, he's down in Dothan. He's down in Dothan. It's not Alabama, uh, Chris. This is Dothan. All right. And uh, he, he, says, he says, now watch this, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army. Now, this is a natural army. Surrounded the city with horses and chariots and his servant, this is Gehazi, said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, here's, here's, here's uh, Gehazi. He's panicking. He's letting fear rule in his heart. He's panicking. Master, what shall we do? There's two of us and there's a whole army and he knows they're here for us. What you going to do? When your back's against the wall. Verse 16. So he answered. This is he, Elijah the prophet, answered. Do not fear. Do not fear. Let that fear go. For those who are with us. You catch this here. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So the king of Syria had his army, his natural army. But Elijah said, but hey, there's a greater army that you can't see that's with us. That's more than this army that's against us. Now watch verse 17. Verse 17, this is my prayer that I'm praying for you. I was praying for you all for this this week. I pray for this for my family, my loved ones, my brothers, my sisters, my cut, everybody. I pray this. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Now he saw with his natural eyes. That's how he saw the enemy. His natural eyes caused him fear. He was walking by sight and not by faith. But Elijah's walking by faith and not by sight. So he said, Lord, open his eyes, his eyes of faith, his spiritual eyes. He says that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots. A fire all around Elisha. My goodness. Elisha, yes, Lord. Elisha was familiar with these horses and chariots of fire. If you remember when his, his spiritual father, Elijah, was getting ready to be taken away. It, oh, Jesus, Holy Ghost, thank you, Lord. Elisha is following Elijah. Elijah's trying to get Elisha, hey, back off. 
Elijah said, no, I'm going to go with you. Went from one place, no, I'm going with you. Next place, I'm with you. I'm with you. He says, what do you want? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of your spirit. And the Bible says that Elijah answered him and said, hey, what you ask is a hard thing. He said, but if you see me when I'm taken up. If you see me when I'm taken up. You got to see me when I'm taken up. You got to see how I go up. So the Bible says they kept going. Now Elisha and Elijah are walking side by side. And all of a sudden the Bible says that a horse, horse and chariot of fire uh, came through them and scooped up Elijah. And, and, and Elijah hollers out, my, my Lord, the, my father. He says, my father, the chariots of the Lord. He sees. In other words, in other words, he, he, did, he didn't just see Elijah's body going up a float into heaven. He saw the chariot. Maybe, maybe that, that might not have meant anything to you all. But he, oh, this, I told my wife this. I said, this is the issue. Elijah, Elisha was a son, a spiritual son who carried the same spirit of his spiritual father, Elijah. But Gehazi, who was supposed to carry the spirit of Elijah, his father, never carried that spirit. So he couldn't see what his spiritual father could see. That's like a side lesson over there, Elder Baker. Matter of fact, you can go through the story of Elijah and Elisha. Over and over again, you can go walk through their whole story and see Elijah. And I pray, I pray against that, uh, that against that Gehazi spirit, because the Gehazi spirit will not allow you to follow and see what your spiritual father sees. Elijah or Elisha, when he's at a woman's house, and this woman, glory to God, who creates this chamber for them to stay in. For them to stay in. Elisha and Gehazi. She takes good care of these guys. Then you know she has a child. Then one day the child dies. She runs to, to, to Elijah's house, to Elisha's house, where, 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 wherever they're staying, and Gehazi tries to push her off. Y'all missing that. Y'all missing it. Because Gehazi doesn't have the spirit of his spiritual father, he tries to push off this woman who's been helping him. And, and Elijah has to say, hey man, get out of the way, let her come to me. Another time, Naaman the Syrian comes. He's a leper. He comes bringing all kind of gifts, all kind of stuff because he needs to be healed. So Elisha tells the man, go down there and, 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 and dunk yourself in the river seven times and you'll be healed. And what happened, he gets healed. And now he comes back and says, okay, now, now I want to, hey, I want to make sure I bless you. And Elijah said, no, I'm good. I'm good. But Gehazi, Gehazi, who's there, but he's not a really a spiritual son. He follows behind him 
and tries to take what doesn't belong to him ahead of his time. He's trying to receive ahead of his time. Be careful you don't try to receive ahead of your time. Came back and his man of God, Elisha, said, hey, where you been? Well, I ain't been nowhere. Did my, did my heart go with you? I'm covering you. Did my heart go with you? And what happened? He said, he said, he said, Gehazi, is it time to receive yet? Gehazi, you're trying to receive before your time, son. So what happened? The leprosy that Naaman got rid of came on Gehazi and his generation. Oh, I don't know why the Lord brought that out here. In other words, what it is, when God connects you to, to a spiritual father, a man of God, you should be able to see what he sees. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. All right, let me go back to this here. Let's, let's, I got to get back to this here because I, I got to finish this. Okay, now go back to Psalm 46, please. I'm just dealing with verse 7. That's it. So don't worry about your, about your peas and your carrots and stuff like that. Verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So we know about the Lord of hosts being with us, but then it says the God of Jacob is our refuge. Our high place, our high tower. The God, everybody say the God of Jacob. Now it's interesting the Bible will use here the God of Jacob. We know him to be the God of Abraham. We don't want to be the God of Isaac. We don't want to be the God of Jacob. We don't want to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Most times he's called that, or many times, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I want, I want you to see something here. Y'all need to listen, because this is a prophetic word here. As, uh, I want to say especially for those of you who are in the business arena, but it's going to go beyond those of you in the business arena. Because it's going to help you what God's going to show you is stuff for your whole life. Watch. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He notices here it deals with the God of Jacob. Now, remember, he's the God of Abraham. Now, Abraham, if you remember Abraham, which is Jacob's grandfather, how did Abraham come into his extreme wealth? Wealth transfer. Wealth transfer. Just say wealth transfer. Wealth transfer. I don't know. Well, transfer. Remember in Genesis 12, he went over into Egypt. Pharaoh loaded him up to get on out of there. By the time you arrive at Genesis 13, verse 2, Abraham or Abram is extremely rich. Then you go a couple chapters later, he goes over into to Gerar and he, he, he meets Abimelech, the king of Gerar. And he ends up getting a second wealth transfer. Now this man is rich beyond your wildest imagination. A man of God. I'm talking about a child of God, just like you. Rich. But how did God do it? Wealth transfer. Okay, now Isaac, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, 
How did Isaac come into his wealthy place, into his prominence? Sowing. Y'all know Genesis 26, verse 12, how Isaac sold in that land, and the same year he received a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Verse 13 goes on to say, and the man in the message Bible, he got richer and richer by the day. So God prospered him through seed time and harvest. Now, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob, Isaac didn't lose what happened to Jacob, to, to Abraham. In fact, if you study Isaac's story, Isaac also went to Abimelech. Got a wealth transfer. So what happened to Abraham's life? Are y'all with me? Y'all shake them taters off your watch. What happened to Abraham transferred even to Isaac. Now when you get from Isaac, Isaac now sows. He's getting well transferred and he's sowing and he's getting richer and richer by the day. Matter of fact, if you read the story in Genesis 26, it says, and Abraham's servants redug Abraham's wells. They went back to how Abraham got it. This, this probably should have been a Wednesday night, but this probably, this is too deep. So you have Abraham, Isaac, but now we have Jacob comes along. Jacob doesn't lose what Abraham got, what Isaac got, but now, but now, that, now God's going to use a different means for Jacob. So you and I, we have wealth transfer to expect. We have seed time and harvest. But there's a way that God blessed Jacob that he's going to bless you today. The God of Jacob. Because it put here that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Go to Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Let's walk through this here and we'll, we'll, we'll do this real good and you're going to make it in time for your potluck dinner. Whatever you got, you're going to be good, but you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be able to contemplate something this afternoon. I said you're going to be able to contemplate something. This is what he said. He said the God of Jacob is our refuge. Contemplate this. I want you to think about the God of Jacob is, with, is our refuge. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of financial transactions is, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Oh, you've read this before. But you ain't ever been preached this, have you? Genesis 28. Now, let's, can, can we walk through Jacob real quick? Genesis 28, verse 1. Verse 1 says, then Isaac called Jacob and the blessing of Abraham passed down, right? And blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Don't, don't go get one of them heathen girls. Tell your, tell your neighbor, don't marry no heathen. Better make sure they save, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, running for their life, got a mighty burning fire on the inside. All that kind of good stuff. Verse 2, arise, come on y'all, come on, let's keep going. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take, for your, take yourself a wife from there, the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Watch verse 3, watch verse 3, watch, we're going to see the God of Jacob. May God Almighty... May God Almighty, Almighty, all-sufficient, it comes from the Hebrew word El Shaddai. 
You've heard of El Shaddai. May the God else, may El Shaddai. It's the God who is more than enough. Y'all missing this. He didn't say may Elohim bless you. He's speaking over Jacob's life and said, saying may El Shaddai bless you. I wish I had some, some Bible scholars in here who knew about El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. He said, you're going to be blessed by El Shaddai. He said, hallelujah, and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples, verse 4, and give you, and give you the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham. Well, what is the blessing of Abraham? I want it. Well, let's see what it is. He's going to give the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants. Watch what the blessing of Abraham is. It's to feel good. It's to get saved. No, it's that you may inherit the land, inherit the land in which you are a stranger. Where you sojourn, where you pilgrim. We can really use, the, use a modern word where you lease, where you rent. That's one meaning of it, to sojourn. But he says, wherever you are living right now, you and I are strangers sojourning on earth. He says, which God gave to Abraham. Y'all got it. All right. Go to verse 10. Same chapter. Verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Now let me just make sure I throw this in here. The only thing Isaac gave him was the blessing. He didn't give him any money. He didn't give him like, here's something, hey son, let me, let me give you, you know, a few million to start with. And, they, and Isaac's loaded. Isaac's, y'all, you're missing this. Isaac is loaded. But he didn't give, he didn't give Jacob any money to start with. He gave him the blessing. Because it's the blessing that made Abraham rich. It's the blessing that made Isaac rich. And it was, it's going to be the blessing that makes Jacob rich. And it's going to be the blessing of the Lord that makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. It doesn't matter if your mom and dad didn't leave you no money. You got the blessing, baby. Verse 11. Verse 11. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his, at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Verse 12, then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. This is the dream he sees. This is a divine dream. A ladder being a connection between heaven and earth. Glory to God. And there the angels of God Remember the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heavenly hosts, the Lord of angel armies. And the angels of God, the Lord of hosts is showing up in his life right here. Are you seeing this here? The Lord, of, and he says the angels of God were ascending and descending. Now ascend means to go up, descend means to go down, which meant the angels had to be down. The angels are not up there. Your angels are down here with you. Are not they all ministering spirits? Hebrew 1.14. Sent forth a minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. So your angels are here with you and your angels have an assignment. 
to bring you into your place that God has determined for your life. And behold, the Lord stood above it, the Lord above it and the angels and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Notice how God's bringing all these people up here. God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, your father. He says, the land on which you, will, you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the, to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 15, my goodness, verse, my God. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for, oh, this is a promise right here. Remember, the God of Jacob is with you. Here's a Jacob promise here. I will not leave you until I have done. Boy, that's, that's, that gives me some assurance right there. He said, I'm not going to leave you till I, till, I do, till I do what I tell you I'm, I'm going to do. Are you with me so far? Drop to verse 20. Verse 20. In your own time, you may want to read the whole chapter. Watch, watch verse 20. Then Jacob, in response, makes a vow. Everybody say a vow. Saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way. He, he's... he's, he's, he's uh, He's uh, applying for credit. I'm, I'm showing you this here. He's applying for credit. God don't, don't need you applying for credit at Amscot and Renner Center and Dimmit and Regions. Here's how Jacob applied for credit. Y'all don't like it, but I don't care. He said, he made a vow. Your vow is applying for credit. Saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in prosperity, in safety, in security, in happiness, it's shalom, the same as the Greek irene. He says, then the Lord shall be my God. He said, Lord, if you do this to me, you're going to be my God. And this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely tithe. Lord, bless me. You don't intend to tithe. You know, you have no intention of tithing. See, if you ain't tithing now, you have no intention of tithing. Don't, 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 don't tell God you're going to tithe if you get 100000 and you won't tithe if you get a hundred. Lord, if, Lord, if you let me win them $40 million in the lottery next week, I'm a, I'm a, I, I promise I'll cut you $4 million. You a lie. Because if you won't do it on a thousand, or five thousand, or forty thousand, you won't do it on a, on a million. On a, you won't do it. So he establishes. Watch this. His vow establishes credit. Oh man, I, I wish y'all had cast that revelation right there. Your vow 
establishes credit with God. So God says, okay, bet. <laughs> oh, God. Go to chapter 30. Chapter 30. I'm going to show you this here. 30. All right, now let's go to verse 25. You can read that whole story, man. It's just chock full of, of revelation here. I don't have time to read it all. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. It says, And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, y'all remember what happened? He worked those all those years for to get both of those, Rachel and Leah. When Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Laban is his father-in-law and his boss, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Remember in that, in that application for credit, that's what he asked God for. So now I want to go back. Verse 26, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my servant, which my service, which I have done for you. Verse 27, and Laban said to him, please stay, for I have found favor, in, if, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me, the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob. If he's your refuge, if he's with you, then wherever you go gets blessed for your sake. You bring the blessing. You are not only blessed, you are a carrier of the blessing. Verse 28, then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you know how I've served you and, you, and, and how your livestock has been with me. For what you, had, what you had before I came was little. You were a small business before I came. And it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, what? when shall I also provide for my own house? So watch this. My labor has been benefiting you. Now I'm ready for my own business. See, if you have been faithful and diligent in serving someone else, if you have been faithful and diligent in serving someone else and brought blessing to them, then the time comes when God fulfills that vow, keeps up his side, and now you provide for your own house. See, when you go to work every day, you provide it for your CEO's house or for the, the owner's house. They're on the yacht while you're at work. Oh, Jesus. I'm talking about the God of Jacob. I'm talking about the God of Jacob. See, Abraham didn't work for anybody. Isaac didn't work for anybody. Jacob spent 21 years working for somebody. But until the time came. I wish I had somebody, man. He said, what shall I provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. I'm not asking you for anything, anything else, boss. I'm not after another raise. Because all you're going to raise me is enough to just come back Monday and Tuesday. Is anybody ready to break out into what God has for you, doggone it? He said, if you will do this thing for me, I will again feed you feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep. Let, let, me, let me take all the bad accounts you don't want. Oh, 
My goodness. All your delinquents you don't want. And all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And, the, and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. Boy, that's something you ought to underline there. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. You've been accusing me. You're going you're gonna to say things. You've changed my way to ten times. But my righteous, when the time, time is right, my righteousness is going to answer for me. If you've been walking in your integrity, your integrity is going to come out. It might take time, but your integrity is going to come out and win. My righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Next time I'm before you for your evaluation, my righteousness going everyone that's not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. Got it? All right, drop down to verse 41. Verse 41. I'm about to round this out here. 41. And it came to pass. Now, let me, let me show you what happens now. I don't want to read all that. But remember, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Abraham, God, with the saint, with the blessing, God increased him through wealth transfers. Isaac, with the blessing, God increased him with sowing and reaping. Jacob, with the blessing, God increased him through supernatural strategies. So what I want to prophesy over you today, if you'll let me finish, if you'll work with me, is that you're coming into a season where God's going to begin to give you divine, supernatural strategies that are going to bankrupt the devil and bring the wealth that is due the body of Christ into the hands of those whose righteousness is going to answer them in time to come. If you've walked upright with God, if you walk in your integrity, if you maintain your honesty, if you maintain your dignity, expect God through dreams and through vision and through prophecy to give you divine supernatural strategies that are going to break you out of the box of your employment and take you into the realm and the atmosphere of unlimited potential. Are you in 41? And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Watch verse, verse 43. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. All right, put an amplifier. Maybe, maybe that, that'll, that'll motivate you. I don't know what else I got to do, man. Holy Ghost, you got to help me out here. Verse 43, amplified. Give me that and amplified. All right, so you ready for divine strategies? Thus the man increased and became. Wait, thus. Thus. The word thus means this is how. Shucks, I'm about to go home here. I'm about to quit. Do you hear what I'm 
saying to you? Do y'all? Does anybody even care what I'm talking about today? Please help me. I don't waste words. The Holy Ghost is trying to tell us something here. Here's what you got to understand. We've been, we've been standing on Proverbs 13, 22 for a, lot of, a long time. Right? Uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. We've been standing on that, right? And what you've been hoping for, what you've been hoping for is a Brinks truck. To come by your house and just drop all that wealth off. But if God did it that way, that would be a violation of law. So what God has to do is give us strategies that the enemy will agree to. Shucks, man. Hey, I'm going to go home with y'all in a minute. Y'all better, better listen. He has to give you strategies that the enemy will agree to. When God gave Jacob this strategy, Laban agreed to it. That's what made it legal. You, this, this is not, God's not going to violate laws. Yeah, money showed up in my account. Oh, look at that. Oh, Wait a minute. Okay, don't spend that. Because that money belongs to somebody, you're going you're gonna to be in trouble. So God, in his infinite wisdom, because even the, the Bible says even the wicked are prepared for the day of the Lord. So even the wicked are used by God. So in Ecclesiastes 2.26, it says he gives the wicked the job of gathering and collecting and heaping up, storing up. So that he may give it to him who is good in his sight. Well, give it doesn't necessarily mean that they're just going to come in here and just take all his money. Wicked people just don't think like that. But I can give you a strategy. Uh... Thank you, Holy Ghost. Give me a uh, Luke 20, 21. Luke 21. Man, 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 man. Uh, Holy Spirit, help me with this here. Yeah, thank you. Luke 21, let's start at verse 14. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Verse 15. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom. I'll give you words and wisdom. Jesus. Which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. So God can give you a divine strategy that when your enemies hear it, and by enemies, I don't, I don't want you to thank people who are against you. I'm talking about, for us, we're talking, about, we're talking about two systems up here. 
the kingdom and the world system. So God has already told us 15 years ago he's going to bankrupt the devil. He's about to bankrupt that whole system out there. So what he has to do is give us strategies that, because see, if the enemy knew what was going on, they wouldn't agree to it. So he has to give us something, hallelujah. The Bible says Satan is the most subtle of all creatures. The serpent was the most subtle of all creatures. So Satan is very subtle, shrewd. So God will give you shrewd strategies. Because here's the thing. Laban had already changed Jacob's wages 10 times. Laban, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Jacob was a get-over man. Well, y'all, Jacob's whole life, Jacob, his name meant supplanter, supplanter. He, he was always getting over. That's how he got down there. So what happened, he, he was a get-over man. Well, he got, got over by the get-over. Remember, that's how he ended up working for 14 years anyhow, because he went to work seven years for Rachel, got to the wedding night, and Laban got over on him. So then, then he worked seven more years to get Rachel, and then he stayed seven more years, so 21 years total. And now God gives him a, a master get-over plan. Well, what happens because, oh man, because, because Laban is a get-over guy, Laban thinks he's about to get over on, on Jacob again. But he don't know God is about to get over on him. So folk who think they've been getting over on you for years, they think you come and they're going to get over you again. God said, no, I got you. I've won up to you this time. I'm about to bring a wealth transfer into the lives of my people. I'm giving them a strategy that when they implement my strategy, when they do what I tell them to do, they're going to see things change in their lives. How many of y'all in here, your business owners? Get ready. For divine strategies. People have been getting over. You notice in the industry you in. They'll try to get over what else? They'll get a major contract and try to throw you a few little dollars to come to oh, God about to give you a strategy, Robert. A divine strategy. You just might end up owning their their little their little they little companies. See, you don't, you don't. Man, 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 are y'all hearing this? The God of Jacob. Watch this. Watch this. Oh, man. That, that finished verse 43. Give me 43. Go back to uh, uh, Genesis 30, 43. 30, 43 in the message, please. 30, 43 in the message. Then we're going to go one last section over here. Oh, man. The man got richer and richer. This is just this is what's going to happen to you. He got richer and richer. We got, how many days I said we got left? We got 48 days. Over the next 48 days, pay very close attention to your dreams. And your visions. Be very conscious of what comes into your subconscious. 
Recall it. Because he's, by this prophetic word, releasing divine strategies into your heart. Twenty-one years of abuse. Twenty-one years of being taken advantage of. Twenty-one years of being held back. Twenty-one years. He he said my wages was changed ten times. That means that means my wages kept kept getting reduced. Five percent cutback. Ten percent cutback. Cutback on this. Cutback on that. Cut. He went through ten cutbacks. Go to chapter 31. 31. I'll show you something here. Verse 4. Now Jacob's rich now. I said he's rich now. Verse 4. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I, have, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable toward me as before. not favorable, favorable as, as before. Right. See, Labo, Laban had a favorable attitude because he knew he was getting over. Right. He knew he was getting over. But now he just realized he'd been got. Right. <laughs> I mean, just right on his nose, he didn't realize what happened. But the God of my father has been with me. So God of Jacob promise number one is that God is always with you. That's promise number one. God is always with you. Verse six. And you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. God of Jacob promise number two. God will not allow your enemies to hurt you. <laughs> I know this is simple, but I just want you to make sure you record this. Now, if you, you can't write it down, just watch it later. So not only is God always with you, but he will not allow your enemies to hurt you. He said this. I've, I've, been, I've been working 21 years, and your father was trying to trick me back, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Which meant... He knew his father, that their father was trying to hurt him. But God wouldn't allow them to hurt him. Verse 8, if he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be yours, your wages, then all the flocks before uh, bore streaked. Verse 9, so God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. God of Jacob promise number 3. God will give you what others have toiled for. God will give you what others have toiled for. Notice he said God has taken away. When you work God's divine strategy, he's going to take away from others to give to you. Well, isn't that wrong? No, they agree to it. He's not breaking their laws. They agreed to it. Oh, I wish y'all catch that, boy. Man, 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 man. I've known this story a long time. I never saw that before. 
that God will give you a strategy that your enemy will agree to to prosper you. Get them agree to it. All right. So what I tell you, number one? Number two? Number three? We got one more. Let's, let's keep going. Said, and it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the rocks, upon the flocks rather, were streaked, sparkled, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am. <laughs> and he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks, on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. So God sees everything that the enemy is doing to you. But that's why he wouldn't let them hurt you. I, I told Sister Latoya sometimes, some time ago, I said, man, you know, she got to pray in her, in her industry where she is, and th- you got to see this. There has been so much oppression and injustice going on when it comes to wages. Whether it's been male, female, or black and white, there's been injustice. But God has seen all of it. And he's going to make it right. God will give you and your female self or you and your black self a strategy. That he'll get the other folk to agree to. Well, they don't realize they just got God. I I know that's bad English, but y'all know what I'm saying. Verse 13, I'm the God of, now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Remember, he, he's got credit with God. Verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. So what he's saying is the whole time that you've been going these 21 years, what kept me watching you, what kept me helping you, what kept me with you, what kept me protecting you, what, what, what caused me to give you a strategy was that vow you made 21 years ago. He said, now it's time to pay up. After I perform my word for you, now it's time to pay up. So he says, now arise, get out of this land, get out of this land, and return to your family. So God of Jacob promise number four is God will bring you to your desired destination. If you remember, that's what, that's what Jacob prayed. That was the vow, Lord, if you bring me back to this place, safe and sound, with clothes on my back, food on my table, Bring me back in peace, in prosperity, in happiness, in safety, in security, that I'm going I'm to give you a 10. So God will honor his word. Now, what you have to do is make a vow to God. What's my vow? 
Well, with, well, so and see, I know all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about this, this vow here. This vow is, God, if you do this, then when you bring me into my wealthy place, when you give me this multi-million dollar corporation, when you give me this multinational conglomerate, I'm talking big terms for you, I'm sorry. God, when you get me off this job, then I'm going to come back to this place and I'm going to honor you. That vow got Jacob all the way through for 21 years and kept him. So God said, I kept my word. Now I need you to keep your word. So you know what happens? He heads back on his way to that place. I'm done preaching, but let me just close this up here. Heads back to that place. I remember when he first left, back in Genesis 28, he's on the run from his brother, Esau. Esau, who he had tricked. Tricked has always got to run. Tricked has always got to remember your last lie you told. So now he's heading back. Remember the vow was, Lord, if you bring me back to this place in peace, not just rich, but all in one piece. Because he knows his brother wants to kill him. Well, God's going to keep his word. So after God makes him rich, gives him wives and all these children, he now heads back, but he's got to come past Esau, his brother. He's worried. Now he gets back over into fear. He gets back over now where the blessing has been working. He now wants to try to use his stuff. Y'all better hear me. Be careful that when the blessing brings you into, into your promise and your, your blessing, all the blessings, that you don't now start trying to use your stuff to get things done. You got to rely on the blessing. So what does Jacob do? He said, I have, I, he said, Lord, I crossed over with one staff. Now I have two companies. He's got... Rachel, he's got Leah, he's got those two maid servants, he's got all these, he's got 13 children, 12 sons, and a, or actually 12, 12 children, he's got 11 sons so far, and one daughter, Dinah, and so he sends on these troops ahead of him, so y'all go, we're going to break up in the group, so when we run into Esau, you know, hopefully we can kind of alleviate things, but what happened? Because he's God's man. He finally encounters Esau and tries to buy Esau off with a gift. Esau say, man, I don't need your money. I'm blessed myself. Now, why would God bless Esau? Well, he's a, yeah, he's a descendant of Abraham, descendant of Isaac, but he blesses Esau, so Esau now ain't thinking about Jacob. Ladies, this is all about Jacob. This is all about Jacob. This is all. This is the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is your refuge. So he takes care of Esau. Well, when Esau runs to him, he's like, "Man, I don't need you. I'm, I'm good myself." Matter of fact, 
Jacob ends up forcing Esau to take a little gift. He'll take something. All right, I'll, just, I'll take that. God, you want to force me to take something. Why? Because he's the, he said, Jacob, I'm your God. And your Bible said in Psalm 46, verse 7 and verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob. Everything we saw God do in Jacob's life, he said, is our refuge. Selah. Pause and calmly think of that. Contemplate, meditate on that. And so when you're sitting there fearful, get over that and say, no, the God of Jacob is my refuge. When you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get a plan? Lord, I'm, I've been doing this for years. I need a plan. I'm, I, I've, been, I've been working this job 21 years. I've been 30 years and, you know, I don't have enough of retirement, all that kind of stuff. And no, don't, don't think about that. He'll give you a strategy. He'll give you a strategy. God gave Jacob a strategy before he left the company. <laughs> Ended up taking all the bad accounts, turning all the bad accounts into good accounts. And they agreed to it, so it was illegal. And this is what God is doing for you now. Now, if you'll do that in finances, he'll do it in your family. Listen, parents, God will give you a strategy that your kids will agree to. Amen. And your, kid, your kids will think they're getting over on you. And they don't realize God's getting over on them. Wives do it to husbands all the time. <laughs> wives do it, no, am I right about it? Wives, wives will, will give their husbands an idea and make, make the husband think it was their idea. The husband thinking, man, I'm glad I came up with that. Oh, you're so wise, honey. You're, baby, you're the wisest man I know. I'm glad I married a smart man. All along it was her idea. So y'all know what I'm talking about is right, it's true. You feeling all got your chest all out like, yeah, I came up with a great idea. Good job. So what I'm talking about is any area of your life. This will work in. Everybody lift your hands. Lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands. Father, as your appointed servant in this house, I release an anointing in the name of Jesus, for divine strategies, for supernatural strategies to flow into the hearts and minds and spirits of every person under the sound of my voice, those even watching online right now, that God, they will receive strategies that will absolutely turn their lives around. You, you have seen their labor. You have seen what the enemies have uh, have been trying to do in their lives. You have watched the devil work. And God, you said, Lord, just like you said for the people of Egypt, Lord, the people of your, your, your people down in Egypt, that you've seen the oppression. You've heard the cry. You know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them. God, thank you that, God, you've seen the oppression of your people. You've heard all of their cries. 
You know their sorrows. But God, we think of that today, your peace rules in our hearts. And that God, we are opening ourselves, and I speak this even now over every person in this room, that God, they are open to receive supernatural wisdom, supernatural insight, supernatural understanding, supernatural strategies. Give them innovations that outpace others in their industries. Give them innovations that outpace others, Lord, in their workplaces. Give them innovations, God, that outpace, Lord, others around them, their companions, oh God. Give them witty ideas and inventions, oh God. Things that others have never seen before. Give them, God, ways. God, hallelujah. There's no limit to how you can work. No limit so we don't box you in. God, I pray that you give parents supernatural strategies. Give spouses supernatural strategies, oh God. Hallelujah. Lord, give, give employees and employers in this place supernatural strategies, oh God. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that when you bring us to our desired haven, when you bring us to our expected end, we will fulfill our vows that we're making right here today. And God, our vow is that when you do what you said you would do, we will give you all the honor. We will give you all the glory. We will give you all the praise. We will serve you with all of our might. We will serve you with gladness, oh God. We will serve you in sincerity and truth, God. We'll bring to you everything that we promise you, God. We will tithe. We will sow. We will give. We will honor you, God. When, we, when you do what you said you do, God, we will come through just the same way you come through. And we know, God, you will come through for you cannot lie. So we expect to receive. Thank you that you are always with us. You will not allow the enemy to hurt us at all. Thank you, Father, that, God, you'll bring us to our expected end. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you all the honor. We receive it with thanksgiving, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Put those hands together and give God a great praise if you receive that today. Come on, jump on your feet. Give God a praise. Come on, give God a praise. Wow. Wow.